Welcome to The Emulsion, episode Trace, or three for all of you under under rock dwellers. I mean, who doesn't know what Trace means? I've got a great show planned today. If you're new to the show, this is where I go through and give you some of my facts and opinions on everything that basically mattered to me in the last week of food, restaurants, chefs, fine dining, that sort of sphere that I, that I live and breathe in. Um, I sprinkle a little bit of random news that I found kind of compelling as well, just to make sure that you get yourself outside of that um, industry bubble that I find really important to do. Make sure you don't uh, only consume that stuff in that sphere. So I stream these episodes live in various outlets. Facebook has kind of been my favorite lately, and then I, I save those videos and upload them to YouTube. So the best part of that for you is that if you have any questions while I'm chatting or you want me to talk about a story, live kind of gives you the ability to comment right then and there and make sure that you get included. Small audience size for the win. Uh, after that fact, I post this podcast uh, itself to SoundCloud where you can listen wherever you are in the world on your own time. So I want to start with a comment from uh, Sebastian, a good friend of mine that I used to work with back in Norway. He's a really curious and really skilled baker who commented, um, the whole wine thing in my eyes is overrated. It's like whiskey. You taste what you want to taste. I never met anyone who has the same taste profile while drinking it. And that was in reference to the last story that we covered here on the podcast last week in episode two. Um, <clears throat> and I have to agree here. It's uh, a conversation that I've had with multiple sommelier friends of mine um, that really struggle to justify doing a wine pairing because... What you taste is definitely, definitely not what I taste all the time. And sometimes it's even different from what my girlfriend's tasting when we go out together. So as far as uh, the you taste, what you want to taste thing, you should also do some research on the big wine tasting scandals where they uh, do color drops in, in white wine. And they color it red and people taste different things. I think that's super, super interesting stuff. Kind of pairing psychology and the gastronomic experience, they're so interconnected and I find it really, really fascinating how all that kind of culminates into an experience. Uh, so with that, let's get into the show. So first up, we have a heartbreaking story for me. And that's the news that Take Root, the acclaimed, one-of-a-kind, uh, one-Michelin-starred restaurant in Brooklyn, is going to close its doors on March 17th. And this is and this this really struck me because I actually had the opportunity to go here in September, and I had a really solid meal there. But what's so special about it is the structure. So they've got 12 seats, and there's there, there's two people on staff. You heard you heard me right, two people run this restaurant. So it's uh, Elise Kornack and her wife, um, Anna Hieronymus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Just those two. And it's crazy. They serve um, an eight-course menu, I think, if I recall right. And they do just three dinners a week, single seatings. I think it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, and you literally feel like you're sitting in their house. It's super cool. They have like kind of a bar where you can have the small window into the kitchen and watch Elise work. And then Anna will come pour wine at your table. Um, super, super fun. Um, but if you remember the James Beard Awards that we talked about last week, uh, they got a nomination in there. And in addition to the other great awards that they've got, um, they're just super humble about it all. I remember eating there and you kind of have to walk down this hallway to get to the bathroom, which is kind of in the corner of this back room. And on the wall in that back room is their Michelin star plaque. There's zero ego in this restaurant and that's what made it so fun to eat there. Um, Elise would come up to the table afterwards and she'd chat with you and then Anna would chat with us the whole time but then you also have this kind of like sense of urgency about them because they're they, they can't stay at the table because there's like 
if you're two people, there's 10 other people sitting there that need their attention or one of those, those two people's attention because they don't have any other staff on my, on, on staff. Um, as for why they're closing, um, they, they feel stagnant. So I'm, I'm quoting Elise here. Uh, we feel that the project is over. There's no way to continue to grow, end quote. Um, so the couple's going to move to upstate New York uh, to kind of get out of the city a little bit. And uh, I'm quoting now from Grub Street, the article, uh, to reestablish their personal relationship. Um, another reason why I don't date someone that's in the industry. I, I can't even imagine what that's like, not only being... Opening a restaurant like that with your uh, your partner, your significant other, but also them being the only person on staff. Um, but the last part of this story and the part that I really want to highlight here, because it's such an unfortunate and honestly sad point um, that kind of has to get brought up, is the issue of gender and sexual orientation. And to make sure you get the facts, I'm going to quote the Grub Street piece here and Elise herself. Um Kornak and Hieronymus have always been open and clear about their marriage, and sadly, they believe this contributed to the aforementioned negativity. So now I'm quoting Elise. We are gay women, and we understand what treatment feels like when we are marginal when we feel marginalized. Um, I can confidently say that there have been a handful of experiences that very much made us feel that way. It does, does not go without saying that I'm a masculine-presenting woman. I look gay according to how people would stereotype a gay woman. End quote from her. Back to Garb Street, customers have asked Hieronymus, her wife, if her husband is the chef and refused to touch the food after meeting them. And this isn't something that I'm going to indulge in because, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to. Female, straight, purple, gay, blue, male, they did a remarkable thing with Take Root, and that's really what matters. Um, their next project is most likely going to be in upstate New York. Uh, that's definitely not going to be another two-person operation, is what they said. Uh, but they want to emphasize that Take Root was a success. Um... And now I'm quoting Elise again. It's incredibly easy to manage in terms of finances uh, because it's such a small place. You only have one seating. You don't have to do lunch, uh, stuff like that. People are always wondering how we make money. We got a space with low overhead. We don't have to pay anyone except ourselves. It's wonderful to build a reputation and express your creativity without having the stress of running a full-time restaurant. The model definitely can and should be replicated. It's just that after four years, we're done. So next up, we've got a pretty cool piece of, I'm not sure if you'd call it uh, gear or tech, but it's a, it's a straw coming from who else but McDonald's. They dropped a two-tone shamrock shake this year uh, that was chocolate on the bottom, I think, and um, mint on the top. So it was a two-tone thing, and they, they were like, hey, what's the point if you've only got one hole in your straw to enjoy this from? So they brought in engineers from NK Labs and Jace Design, and they grappled with the apparently numerous challenges that face shakes, so melting changes in viscosity and volume levels, so you're not always drinking from a full cup. Um, so they used some 3D printing to make this kind of J-shaped, snorkel-looking straw. If you want one, they're kind of a, they're only available in 80 cities now, so best of luck if one is nearby you. But this really reminds me of um, Martin Kastner, the guy behind Crucial Detail, who kind of makes custom service pieces for restaurants, and most recently the Boku Store team, who won gold in Lyon. Uh, I'm sure he really got a kick out of this because he gets asked all the time questions like, we have this dish we want to do, but we can't do it without blank. The next thing I want to talk about is the news that 11 Madison Park, the three Michelin starred powerhouse in New York City, is closing for renovation. Um, the, on June 9th, they plan to close the restaurant and renovate for the first time in almost 20 years. Uh, Daniel Hume said something along the lines of, we're still working out of Danny Meyer's uh, brasserie. Apparently, there's a, a Molteni? Molteni? A French stove coming in, uh, but there won't be a ton of cutting-edge electronic gear 
in the new kitchen, whatever that means. I'm not really sure. Uh, Brad uh, Klopfil is the designer that, that's planning on kind of designing the something that's more got more of a symmetrical and central focus. So rugs on the floor, more of that gray, blue, green, gold color palette. I think I'm referencing a New York Times article. Yes, I am. Um, and he's not really going for something that's uh, really out there or outrageous. Uh, if people are startled, I will have failed. It was was the quote from that article. Um, they're going to ramp up the bar area as well. Uh, from what I noticed when I got the opportunity to eat there in September, one of their main cells was the little cocktail trolley that did some really solid signature cocktails uh, at the bar in the corner of the room there just as you walk in. Um, so with any res- re- as with any renovation, you've got to kind of think about what your staff is going to do when the walls are getting smashed down. So the team thought, why? what do New Yorkers do in the summer? They go to the Hamptons. And that's the plan here. It's going to be called EMP Summer House. It opens in late June, and it's an indoor restaurant with a dining room under a tent with picnic tables for large format dinners like lobster boils. They're literally going to cart the equipment that they don't need from Manhattan up uh, up for the project. And if you want a spot, tables go live on May 1st. The problem is you can only pay with American Express. It's the only card that they're going to accept at this little pop-up that they're doing um, because American Express is their partner for the whole project. If you get a chance to eat uh, now at the place that they're currently in, um, they're doing an 11-course, $295 tasting menu of more or less their greatest hits uh, to kind of commemorate the closing of the current space. And after um, the... After the renovation, the pair of Daniel Hume and Will Gadara say that they're looking forward to making, quote, the restaurant truly our own. Next up, um, awards, awards, awards. There, This was a big week for a lot of restaurants all over the world. San Pellegrino did uh, its World's 50 Best in Asia. And to be honest, I'm not really going to cover this story so much because I don't have a huge grip on what's happening in the Asian restaurant scene. But it's a massive area. There's a slew of really great places, but the point that stood out to me, uh, there's several. So Gagan kept his number one spot for the third year in a row. Um, Narisawa, that was he was number two. He was um, thought of to hopefully get to number one. He dropped to number six, which is a little bit crazy. And Den, a place that gave me one of definitely one of my most uh, memorable experiences of my life, is number um, eleven on the list this year. I was talking with Chef Chris from Lisvaka, and he told me that he had a really good meal at Bolan and really recommended Nam. Um, there's a, definitely a few places on this list that I'll consult a little bit on my upcoming trip to India, Thailand, and Singapore, but honestly, I'm just super pumped about the street food. Um, but what I really want to talk about here, uh, awards-wise, is the Nordic Michelin Guide that was actually released this morning. I have great timing with this Wednesday podcast thing. Uh, but here's what you need to know. Uh, no, Lisvaka didn't get a star. Damn it. Uh, but a lot of other great places did. The The guys from 108 in Copenhagen g- got a star this year. Um, a place called uh, Cooks on the Faroe Islands got a star. The, it's a, the first restaurant in the Faroe Islands to get a star. Finland didn't really have any changes to their rankings. Only four restaurants have a, a one-star rating there. Big ups to Iceland. Uh, Dill got a star there. Crazy, crazy, because Hubert and I actually had a reservation there for my trip in January, but because he bailed uh, and I went a little bit crazy in Spain on the meals, I didn't really want to go by myself, so I, we, we, we canceled that table. Uh, but huge props to them. I have heard really great things about that place. Uh, a place called Sami, Sabi Omakase in Stavanger got a star, um, which is just south of Bergen. 
that basically makes five Norwegian restaurants with Michelin stars, all of them with one, with the exception of Mayamo with three. Sweden had a few newcomers, but I'm not really that familiar with um, the Swedish market. I had a super nice trip to Stockholm um, and got a chance to eat at Oxenkrog. But um, as far as um, the rest of Sweden, I'm not super familiar with. I didn't travel there so much. But the list of deleted restaurants is a little bit crazy. If you scroll all the way to the bottom of the link that I'm going to put in the show notes, it's uh, Noma, Fransen, uh, Matthias, Dahlgren, Matsalen, and Fauna all deleted from the list. But um, I know Noma and Fransen are both renovating. But it's just a little crazy to see such big, big heavy hitters uh, canceled, deleted from the list. But speaking of renovations, uh, I have to take a quick note and ask about the new French Laundry Kitchen. Um, I was there back in 2013, but does anyone think the new kitchen looks really sterile? Uh, I definitely understand the update because we would literally work, work off of um, like the same cutting board sometimes in that kitchen. You'd have two two people at one cutting board prepping. Uh, but it had, it had a certain character that I really liked to it, and it really retained the history of the space. But... This new one looks a little cold or medical or commercial. I'm not really sure. Just let me know what you think in the comments because the San Francisco Chronicle did a photo shoot um, of it, and that's my question of the day for you. Um, and maybe you can include what you have, you'd have in your ideal kitchen if money wasn't an object. What's uh, what's going in that space? Quick change of pace. Um, Facebook advertised um, this morning a. You can't really see that well on the screen. Um, a bag that is a backpack that is designed to hold your your knives, your equipment, um, by a company called Tillit. I found it on my research, doing um, looking for more information for the stories. But it's uh, it's black. It's got a little bit of leather detailing on it, but it's a pretty inconspicuous looking backpack that's kind of designed to hold your laptop, your tablets, pens, doodads, as well as your knives. So it can fit four pieces up to a 15-inch chef's knife plus three 7-inch chef's knives. Um, It's got a water-resistant coating on it, so it'll withstand the elements as you're kind of commuting or going from place to place. But I I really just dug the look of this bag. So if you don't pick up that um, Hadley and Bennett one that we talked about in episode one, or if you want an upgrade from what you're currently rocking, this one comes in at uh, $195, and it's linked down below in the show notes. Next up is a restaurant project that I want to cover because it really caught my eye and piqued my interest uh, creatively into kind of what a restaurant can be. So Jordan Kahn, the chef you probably know from Red Medicine in LA, just released info about his experimental restaurant called Vespertine. It is a, um, get some numbers thrown at you here. So it is a 22-seat, $250 tasting menu, and it's served twice a night. So he's going to do two seatings. Um, and what's cool about it is that Jordan Khan is partnering with an architect as well as a fashion designer, a Japanese potter, a Japanese jewelry maker, uh, to make something that's uniquely creative and expressive for him. So as far as what's on the menu, Jordan said, uh, no pureed dots, no crumbles, no nasturtium leaves, and absolutely no rampant fermentation, which is super refreshing to hear, right? Because um, when I write menus, which I've kind of been doing therapeutically once a week just to keep myself uh, sane and in it a little bit while I'm outside of a restaurant, um, I find myself questioning those same moves that have almost become cliches, right? Like the dots and the piles of crumble and uh, stuff like that. So it's cool to see him really embrace um, 
the aesthetic aspect of food because I know that's one of the, he's one of those chefs that plates like nobody else does. Um, I've never been to LA, but I've seen photos of his stuff. Um, and this is a project that I definitely make a trip down to see. Um, to quote Jordan, typically the food is what, pe- um, sorry, let me start over. Typically the food is what propels these kinds of restaurants. But in this instance, the food is trying to catch up with the rest of it. Um, I'm going to leave a link to the article where they include kind of a trailer for the whole project. And it's, it's very dramatic. It has, a uh, uh, it has music by um, who is who is the artist? I'm gonna look it up. Uh, this will destroy you, um, which is kind of it's just interesting. You need to, you need to see it. Um, all right. So if you've enjoyed this much of the live show with me, I really appreciate you watching. Um, but to do our last story, uh, industry and not industry related, uh, which is all about Instagram, I'm gonna go rogue here. I'm gonna switch the live stream off from Facebook and go live on Instagram. So podcast guys, just give me a moment to get all set up. Facebook and YouTube, thanks for watching. Um, Perfect. Post that. So now that's posted. We're going to head over to Instagram. Press the camera and go live. Technical difficulties, guys. We're getting it all sorted out. Okay, live video. All right, all right, Instagram Live. This is actually my first Instagram Live here. But just to make sure that we're, um, just to make sure that you know what we're doing here, um, if you're, you're, you're right now catching the tail end of my podcast, The Emulsion, where I basically talk about, uh, hey, crucial details here. I, I actually talked about you earlier in this podcast. Um, it's called The Emulsion, where I talk about restaurant, industry, food, chef news that I normally stream on Facebook while I record. Um, but we had some stories that I wanted to talk about uh, related to Instagram today. So I thought, why not go super meta and stream it live here on Instagram? So the first thing that I want to do is give a shout out to a guy that I went to CIA with who um, we graduated together in 2012. What's up, Ernesto? Um, So his name's Dave Hadley, and basically he was on Chopped last night and he won, um, which is crazy. I laughed really hard when I saw the little um, snippet of his intro video that they do to the show where he kind of talks about combining his love of food and the marijuana industry. Uh, personally, I'm not really a pot guy, but I'm, I'm super glad you found something that you love doing in a, in a, in a place that you love doing it. Dave's over in Colorado. Go ahead and give him some love on his Instagram, D Hadley, H-A-D-L-E-Y 08. Um, he's got super close to a thousand followers. So if you're into any of that, um, I'm proud of you, man. Uh, so last up, our final story of the day that's not industry-related and something that I'm going to play with um, around with today is potentially game-changing for Instagram, and that's the ability to add a photo slideshow to a single post. So if you see three dots on the bottom of a photo that's posted, you can swipe left and see more photos. So you basically get the ability to create a really cool photo story without taking up any extra room on your feed. Uh, I see this becoming really, really huge with food bloggers. You could basically essentially post a whole tasting menu. I think 10 is the max number of images you can post to a, a, a slideshow. But uh, if you're a chef, you could really you could post like a photo of a finished dish. And then as you swipe, you could see how you built the dish uh, step by step. Um, it's just a really, really cool 
uh, move by Instagram, and I'm excited to try it out. So stay tuned on my feed later today for more. I'm going to go out and do a little photo shoot. Um, but I think it's going to be a really great balance between um, the stories that uh, disappear after 24 hours and then kind of the keepsakes that you want to keep on your, your actual feed. Um, so with that, this has been Hola Body. Uh, with that, this has been episode three of The Emulsion. So uh, hopefully you got some valuable information. Sun's out in Seattle today. Uh, Going to go out and take some photos after this. Stay tuned for that on my Instagram feed. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, the handle is Justin Kana. My name all spelled out, no spaces. Um, but expect new episodes every week. Uh, again, I'm working on getting a schedule down for this uh, to make sure that the live streams can be a little bit more anticipated. 2 p.m. West Coast U.S. time on Wednesdays seems to work okay um, for me. Also, I get a lot of stories that day. Um, for example, we covered the Nordic Michelin Guide, um, if you're just watching here on Instagram. Um, if you are on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on Facebook to make sure you stay up to date and leave a comment with any other stories you might want to get covered next week. Um, but in addition to the question I posed earlier, uh, I would like to ask you for some immediate feedback. Um, what did you like? What didn't you like about the show or the format? Or how you, I'd like to know how you consumed the show as well. So if you were on the podcast, on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, and now on Instagram, we're all over the socials. But um, I look forward to hearing from you. I'm Justin Kana. Have a good one.